The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Lady Love. Lady Love. So, how you feeling about the food dreams? Oh, I love their stuff. It's super comfortable. I'm loving it. How about you? I'm super into it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I usually don't wear a shirt to the gym, but if I do, it's got FDA on it. Yeah. You know, you know. Yeah. Gotta represent. Yeah. I love it. I think it's worth it, worth the money. Definitely worth checking out the website. They're very fashionable. Mm-hmm. And comfy and soft. Mm-hmm. So soft. Oh, yeah. And I mean, they got all the cutlers you could want. Mm-hmm. They have matching sets. Mm-hmm. Hats, sweatshirts, hoodies, leggings. Mm-hmm. I even think they got those little titty shirts, you know, the ones that show the, like, nipples. <laughs> the ones that look like they're the cut out. Boob. Yeah, whatever they're called. I don't know they're called. They're adorable. I've seen them on their website. They are super cute, and they sell, like, I think they sell the top and bottoms together mm-hmm. for a matching little outfit. Yeah. Everybody's all about the matching outfits for their weak-ass Instagram stories. No, I'm just I know. kidding. <laughs> Only half kidding. Only half kidding. But if you guys want the little side boob shirts, go to FDA Wear. Dot com. Or you can also visit fitdreamsactivewear.com. I'm not going to spell that out because that's a whole lot of letters. So I'm going to say that you can spell it. But instead of the S, put a Z in the dreams. <laughs> yeah. Lady Love. Lady Love. Oh my God. This week's going to be a two-parter. Oh, should I be scared? No, I think you're gonna enjoy this one. This one is zero violence. Okay. Like, okay. I think I think you're gonna actually like this one a lot. Okay. Okay. And like. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Okay. I don't know. Like, last week was a little harsh. Just a little. I didn't think children can be that way. I mean, yeah. I thought. I just didn't think like little kids could be that bad. But then I remembered that. Little kids are like Hitler. Of course. For a long time, I said I didn't want children myself. (laughs) Because kids are fucking awful. (laughs) And I think that episode kind of proves it. Yeah. I mean, it just like... That was pretty awful. I'm not going to lie. I know. It was terrible. And like, I'm just like, I don't know if this is because their parents beat them or because they didn't get beat. Like, I don't know what... (laughs) Right. Where did did it go wrong? Yeah, because it was like both sides. (laughs) Right. God, it was okay. I'm, 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 I'm okay with no violence. I'm, I'm ready for that. Yeah, yeah. but a tupada, huh? Yeah, it's definitely gonna be a tupada. Like this one's long. <laughs> well, I'm ready for the no violence one after last week's uh, interesting uh, countdown of rotten children. You know? <laughs> Demon babies, <laughs> kids gone wrong, children gone rotten. I don't fucking know. <laughs> They just, they just all needed more. That's it. They all needed more. And more hugs. More hugs. <laughs> yeah, more oh, hugs. <laughs> Less shitty parents. Yeah. Something. Sorry, children. <laughs> well, anyways, I'm Courtney. And I'm Kat. And this is Wine, Wine Wicked Crimes and Cat Moms Oh My.
Yeah. Yeah. I love this. It's like our 12th episode. Is it really? Yeah. So have we been doing this for 12 weeks? Yep. Well, we've been doing this for longer. Longer? Technically, because we started before we released it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole one week thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I just don't get that whole concept. I just, it's just hard for me to grasp, I guess. (laughs) I guess. Yeah. 12 weeks. So what is that? Three months? Um, well, four. Yeah, three months. Three months. Mm-hmm. Can't believe it's been three months of consistently doing this. I know. I'm usually like a shitbag and I don't consistently <laughs> do anything. <laughs> Building habits is hard. I know. <laughs> Breaking habits. Habit, yeah. <laughs> That's hard. Yeah, I guess. Oh, well, it's going pretty good so far. I know. I mean, I think people like us. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not sure either, but it seems like it's going pretty good. I mean... We still here. We do have our first Patreon member. <gasps> hey. hey, we do. Thanks, Big Papa. Oh, Show Big support. Papa. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you for being our first Patreon. Yeah, we love you, Mike. We love you. All right, love. Tell me about this fucking nonviolent. Uh... Well, first you gotta tell us about the oh, wine. <laughs> oh my god, that's right. I forgot last week we didn't do wine. But did I say what I had last week? We said it at the end that you had a okay. the cute little Corona. I had the Rona. <laughs> Today we're gonna have Bagley's Queen of Diamonds Finger Lake Pink Table Wine. I picked that one just because it's very appropriate for what we're doing. It's very cute. It's this. I'm, I'm assuming, do you think it's like a rosé? It doesn't say rosé. Pink table wine. Poplar Ridge Vineyards, 9782 Route 414, Vallow, Vallois? Vallow? Vallows. <laughs> 14841. How would you pronounce that? Valois? Beats the fuck out of me. I have no idea. It's a something in New York. This is from. It's a New York State wine, so... We'll let you know how it is. It really doesn't say if it's a sweet wine or not. No, it's just got a cute picture on the front. Oh, Lady Love, I hope this one doesn't come to bite us in the ass. I hope so, too, because it's appropriate for the subject that we're talking about today. Because, you know, it's got the cute lady with the fancy, mm-hmm. you know, fancy pearls and the... Got a little 1920s flat brown ensemble going on with the little long dress, little feathers, little mm-hmm. pearl action. It is very cute. It's adorable, whether it tastes good or not. We will find out. Mm-hmm. So, I guess I'm going to let Sophia paint you a picture. <gasps> She's back. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. Let me hear it. Picture it. New York City, New York, 1927. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. That's like Sophia's actual, like... Time frame? Yeah. Yeah, her actual time frame. Well... It's 1922, usually. Yeah. <laughs> and she's usually in Sicily, but I'll fucking take it. She got to New York eventually. I was going to say, she's got a Brooklyn accent for exactly. sure. Exactly. <laughs> At least when I tell it, she does. <laughs> yeah. All right, sorry. Keep going, like that. The night was young, and the city was buzzing with anticipation. Word on the street was, a new act in town was a must-see. It put the P in promiscuous, just Ooh. like she did. Wee. She was a slut puppy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The star of the show, a woman with more spice than a chili pepper, <laughs> and a body shaped like a Coke bottle made with a generous rack. <laughs> How much of a generous rack do we know? It was quite generous. Wow. <laughs> 
She knew it and she reveled in it. She loved the attention. Sitting in the back of her car, she stares out the window at the passerbys, thinking about what she would do tonight. Fuck. <laughs> okay, where was I? Sitting in the back of her car, she's... Fuck! <laughs> it's okay, they look. Take a deep is, breath. Today is just not my day. Okay. I know you're having a rough week. I am. Oh, stressed. Sorry, <laughs> Sophia. I'm sorry, Sophia. A oh, bitch got cotton mouth. Got... It's just... <laughs> Oh, man. I didn't know you had cotton mouth as I'm occupying your water bottle here. <laughs> uh, oh, man. We're, we're getting there. Okay. Take fucking 75, I guess. You're like, let have some of that. I know. I'm probably going to fucking keep, that, keep this in <laughs> just because it's funny. Okay. Sitting in the back of her car, she stares out the window at the passerby, <laughs> thinking about what she would do tonight to make this showing a little different from the last, as she did before every performance. Repetition was boring, and she was not. The car stops in front of the theater, and her driver opens the door, helping her out as any classy dame should be treated. Dressed to the nines, without a hair out of place, she was stunning, and she hadn't even gotten ready for her close-up yet. Ooh. The crowd waiting outside to see her was growing by the minute. As she walks into the theater, heading backstage to get ready for tonight, she hears a commotion in all... In... Motherfucker! <laughs> I'm telling you, like, love, we gotta start incorporating the, like, red leather yellow. I know. Red leather yellow. Okay. Pretty warm-up exercises. I go, uh. The crowd waiting outside to see her was growing by the minute. As she walks into the theater, heading backstage to get ready for tonight, she hears a commotion, mm. and she sees all her fellow cast members running around. Then suddenly, she's surrounded. Oh, shit. Coppers. <gasps> everywhere. And her fellow co-stars were around her. She's so confused and doesn't understand what this is about. Then a man with a mug only a mother could love approaches. Mm -hmm. Turn around. You are under arrest for obscenity. You're all coming with us. They don't fight it. Time for their walk of shame. Onlookers are shocked. The press and no nosy citizens all screaming questions they have no right asking. They're loaded into the back of a paddy wagon, handcuffed like common criminals. But she isn't upset. Instead, she smiles, a mischievous grin, thinking... This was the best publicity she could ask for. Dun, dun, dun. So she's all about it. She's all about it, like love. No fucks given. This person in nineteen twenty what? Nineteen twenty seven. Shit. So the person that we are discussing today okay. was like the Marilyn Monroe before Marilyn was even born. Really? Yes. Very interesting. This week we are discussing Mary Jane, also known as May. West. She was an American actress, singer, comedian, playwriter, screenwriter, and sex symbol whose professional career spanned seven decades, starting in 1901 at the age of eight. She was best known for being a woman so outwardly sexual, she shocked the nation. Wow. Mm-hmm. Interesting. She was definitely a glamorous dame. 
Mae West. She's pretty, too. I've heard the name before. Yeah, she's been in, like, a lot of things over the years. Okay. So she committed a non-violent crime? Yeah. So she was arrested for obscenity. Oh. Obscenity? So what, she saw, did she show some titties? Because back then, they love... I feel like you didn't even you couldn't even say the word titty. Yeah, well, that's basically we're out of there. <laughs> well, that was basically the problem. Like we get to it in depth, obviously later. Uh huh. But she, I won't tell you exactly what it was, but she acted in something that they found obscene. So they something that they found obscene. Yeah, she created something that they found obscene. So she ends up getting arrested. Hmm. Was it a porno? <laughs> You'll find out, Lady Love, I can't tell you. we got to get there. It's the workup, the workup. Come on. I, I have to ask questions. I, I, I just do. No. It, I mean, I guess it would have been considered a porno back in those days, but it wasn't a porno. Ah, I knew it. It wasn't a porno, I knew though. It. it wasn't like they actually had sex on stage, but. No, Lady Love, but you couldn't even say the word titty. Yeah. I mean, come on. Ready to try this Queen of Diamonds wine, they love? It better be. I mean, it better be good. It's a cute color. It is. It pretty. is adorable. This is a really good, like a really cute pink. I, th- I think it you should take a picture of it in the glass. Table wine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Clink, clink. It's so so. Yeah. It's. It just wine. tastes. Yeah, it tastes like. I feel like I bought a bottle of like barefoot or something. Like a. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, uh, I feel like we say this every week, but it's like definitely not sweet. It's definitely not dry. It's kind of just a nice wine. Mm-hmm. It's definitely Friendly not bad. for everybody. Yeah. Like, it would be something I would drink just to drink, but it it's wouldn't. there. Yeah. But it wouldn't be something that I like bought to bring to somebody's house. Yeah. Not unless you didn't care for them. <laughs> Somebody brings you this wine, they don't care about you. I know. Housewarming, they bring you this, they don't care about you. No, no. It looks cute. but That's about it. I'd say. She's no queen of diamonds on the inside. Mm. <laughs> so tell me about May. She was a child actress. Mary Jane West was born on August 17th, 1893. Mm-hmm. She's a Leo. Hey, I hate Leos. <laughs> In Brooklyn, New York. Hey. All right. So this is getting kind of appropriate. She's Leo. she's naturally born with attitude, and she's yes. a Leo. They're fucking assholes. Yeah, I know firsthand. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good start. Good start. Um, and her name came from her grandmother on her father's side. Her parents were John Patrick West and Matilda. They called her Tilly, though West. That's cute. Her mother's maiden name was originally like Dolger. Dutch? Well, like she's from Germany. Batman. It's Batman. Yeah, but the way her name was spelled and everything, Mm. she's from Bavaria. It was Mathilde, M-A-T-H-I-L-D-E, and her last name was D-O-E-L-G-E-R. Mathilde. Yeah, but when they came to America, it was changed to Matilda Delker, or Diker. (laughs) So they just like... They did what they did to my family and, you know, yeah. fucks up some yeah. names. <laughs> Horribly messed up, like, <laughs> last names. Like, not even, not even close. Not even close at all. That's so rude. That's so rude to be... I know. What's your name? West. What was it? West. West. 
Now no. it's Nile. I know. <laughs> what? I, I can't spell that. Yeah. Yeah. This is it. Well, this is her maiden name. So West is her married name. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So her maiden name was Dolger or whatever, and they changed it to Delker or Diker. Still, bro. Okay. Yeah. It's still not even close because there's definitely not a G in there at all, and there's no K in her mm. actual name. Ooh, pardon me. But, um, oh man. Like, it's like, a gassy wine. It is. I burped and so did you. Yeah. What's that about? I don't know. But it was just like all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I would have to say, of all the wines we've tasted, this was probably our less. It, it, it's right down there with the one that was um, suggested to us. By oh, yeah. Girl. The Cali Red one. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, that one it was probably good for people who like dry wines, but mm-hmm. I'm just not a dry wine person. Mm-hmm. Can't win them all. No. Back to me. So her mother's name was Americanized to Matilda Delker Diker when she emigrated to New York from Bavaria with her parents and five siblings in 1886. Damn, okay. So John and Matilda married on January 18th, 1889 in Brooklyn. His parents were happy for them, but hers, not so much. Mm. There wasn't really much of a backstory on how they met or anything like that, but her parents had disapproved of John because they wanted her with someone of higher status and wealth. But Matilda didn't care. Her and John were, like, in love. Aww. I'd love him. Mm-hmm. I want to be with him. Oh, yeah. And especially back then, you had to get married. Like, there was no getting antiques unless you were married. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Can you, you were that? a hussy. I would have been a hussy. <laughs> Breaking all the rules. Well, it sounds like May did. Oh, she definitely did. Mm-hmm. We get there, but she has the biggest of dick energy. <laughs> she's one sassy bitch. <laughs> oh, I love the big dick energy. <laughs> well, so I'm going to start the story in 1891. Okay. So this is already after they've met and married. Okay. John was 29, and he was a bare knuckles boxer who Ooh. made a name for himself in the ring as Battling Jack West. So that was his nickname. Wow, bare knuckle boxing, that's fucking hard. That's fucking crazy, though, because you think about boxing now, and it's like, it looks like they're fake fighting each other, they're, like, punching each other, and they're, like, fucking grabbing on each other, and they're all sweaty, like, bare knuckles boxing, they didn't give a fuck, there was no, you know, fouls or anything, yeah. it's just straight That's, that's fight club. Yeah, that's a vicious sport there. Mm-hmm. Oof, that's not even a sport. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But... Later in life, he worked as a, quote, special policeman, which is just a private investigator. Mm -hmm. And he ended up owning his own private investigations agency. Nice. Matilda, who was 21 at the time, was working as a corset model. Hey. You know. This same year, John and Tilly had their first child, Mm -hmm. a beautiful girl they named Katie. They were completely in love and devoted to her, but only a few months after she was born, she passed away. Oh. And they were just crushed. Oh, no. So, two years after that, they got pregnant again. And then that scared them because they were worried that Definitely. something would happen. Mm-hmm. And they didn't think that they could handle it if another baby of theirs had died. I get that. Which, that had to be, like, a real struggle back then. Because now, baby dying is like, what'd you do? Mm-hmm. Did you poison it back then? It's like... Hey, Karen, sorry, your baby died. I, l- I left it on the road. Mm-hmm, you good with yeah. that? <laughs> People didn't name their kids until after the first year or whatever, right? Was yeah. Was still around that time? I think they so. They didn't know they could make it. Mm-hmm. And then just, you know, maybe they didn't make it. Then you didn't waste a name on baby A. 
I know. Oh, <laughs> so sad to think about it that way, though. Baby Jane Doe. Oh, okay. So, on August 17th, 1893, mm-hmm. they had their second child. It was a daughter mm-hmm. named Mary Jane West. She was named after John's mother, but she was immediately nicknamed May. Mm-hmm. And the name stuck with her throughout her entire lifetime. Like, that's just what she was known as. Mm-hmm. Her parents adored her, and she was their world, especially her mother. Like, her and her mom were, like, soulmates. Twinsies. Mm-hmm. Tilly was literally incapable of saying no to May, mm-hmm. and if May wanted it, she got it. Damn. May also came out the womb, a classy bougie bitch. Did she? Like, it's just <laughs> late love. How so? So she refused to wear anything that had even a wrinkle in it, and she refused to eat anything unless her food was plated beautifully to perfection. Wow. You know what I would do if my baby told me I needed to plate this better? <laughs> the baby better be whipping out some mad plating stuff. That's what I'm saying. Like, you better plate your own food, you little shit. <laughs> my corn is touching the mashed potatoes. I don't want it. <laughs> then I guess you're not getting potatoes. <laughs> you're not going to get one or the other, or you're going to eat them both. Pick one. <laughs> it's all going to the same spot. Exactly. Oh, man. And not only were aesthetics very important to her, mm-hmm. but her looks were everything. From as early as four years old, May's mother recalls her staring at herself in store windows, like reveling in her own beauty. Mm, that's so funny. It's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> she loved the way she looked, and she was conceited for a reason. May grew up in a very healthy and happy home. Mm-hmm. She was always proud, confident, curious, and driven, and an all-around bad bitch for the ages. And May and Tilly were best friends. They were basically soulmates, like I said, since mm-hmm. birth. In 1898, when she was five, her sister Mildred, nicknamed Beverly, was born. And two years after that, in 1900, her brother John II came into the world. Mm-hmm. But she was never, like, jealous of her siblings. Like, you know how some people get where it's like a new baby's born. and I hate that baby. I want to throw it out the window. Yeah. No, she loved them. And she was always her parents' favorite. So, like, mm-hmm. she never really had those feelings. She didn't care. Yeah, I'm sure the other kids were like, fucking hate her. <laughs> Such a bitch. She's got quite the wreck. I know. <laughs> I told you. Knockers. Sheesh. So both of her parents gave her their full attention. She said it felt like she was an only child growing up. Wow. They paid attention to her in every way. And they didn't really give as much attention to her siblings. <laughs> you guys are great, but we got May. Yeah. <laughs> so Tilly taught her about clothes and fashion, and John taught her how to lift weights and the importance of being in shape. But they more importantly taught her how to perform, which she loved to do. Mm-hmm. Both of her parents were very extroverted and social. Mm. And, like, anxiety was just not in her gene pool. Wow. May always, mm-hmm. May always dreamed of becoming an actress. She naturally gravitated towards the theater on her own. Mm. And her mother couldn't have been happier about that. Tilly thought everything May did was amazing. And her parents supported all of her choices, no matter how big her dreams were. Good for her. I know. You don't really find that often. Yeah. Most people be like, you want to be a singer? Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Good luck. You know the chances of you being a singer? Yeah. Be realistic. Then your dreams are just murdered. I know. 
Those are the ones where their dreams are crushed and they never try and then they end up a janitor or something. You're right. <laughs> well, they could have been more. Mm-hmm. Mae West was only five years old the first time she performed in front of a crowd at a church social. And when she was seven, she decided she wanted to play in an amateur show, mm-hmm. which is basically like a local talent show that all of the neighborhood could perform in. Okay. But it had like a professional crew and it was held in, in a real theater. Okay. They were pretty common back then. Mm-hmm. Her dad, John, was scared the audience would be mean to her, basically because she was so young and he didn't want to let her do the show. Mm-hmm. But Tilly was confident in May and felt that if she was brave enough to perform, then they should support her. And her dad reluctantly agreed to let her do it. But luckily he did because this show ended up being the start of her glamorous career. Yay. So the show was held at the Brooklyn Royal Theater. It had a 700 seating, mm-hmm. and the show was sold out. Okay. So May looked amazingly adorable in an oversized white picture hat and pink green satin dress. Mm-hmm. When she was backstage and patiently waiting to go on, she saw that the actors that were on at the moment mm-hmm. had a spotlight. And one of the stage crew seen her staring and everything, and he told her that she would get one too. And that made her, like, super excited because she was like... A bitch gets her own spotlight. (laughs) What? I'm ready. I'm ready for my my time. (laughs) I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeMille. Yeah. So when they called her up, she went out waiting for her spotlight, but there wasn't one. So she stood there in the dark. Aww. Well, then she got annoyed at waiting, so she stomped her foot and yelled, Where's my spotlight? Bitch, what you mean where your spotlight at? You better be quiet and stand there. Well, the crowd thought that it was part of her act and found it fucking hilarious. So they started laughing, and then the MC thought it was funny, too. So he did what she asked, and he gave her a spotlight. That's funny. She smiled from ear to ear, and with no fear, danced and sang the song It's Movin' Day all across the stage. And as soon as she started, the audience stopped laughing and were jaw-dropped. And they gave her their full attention. Nice. They expected her to have, like, a squeaky little girl voice, Mm -hmm. but May sounded like she was grown. She had a beautiful, deep, and raspy voice. Mm. She wasn't even finished with her song yet when the crowd started cheering and throwing money at the stage, which at the time was coins. So I'm like, damn, this little girl didn't get hit with none of them, right? (laughs) (laughs) You sure as, like... Can you imagine that? Casualties. Like, you know what I mean? You're, like, like, singing and a quarter hits you in the forehead. (laughs) Hey, if that's how you make ends meet, that's how you make ends meet. You take those quarters to the forehead. I wonder if that's how it was for strippers back in the day. Like, they'd be, like, ripping off their corset and then someone's throwing, like, a penny down their fucking titties. (laughs) Bing! It would hurt. It would hurt. I don't know. It definitely... that coin smell, like... Yeah, like that coppery kind of smell. Yeah, like, ugh. Yeah? That would be kind of gross. Why are you stuffing it? Uh, you know? Right underneath the titty. Right underneath the titty? What about yeah. them fucking granny panties I'm sure they had? I'm sure there was mad coverage back then, Layla. Oh, I know. They're in, like, in a girdle. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Imagine what strippers had to wear back then. Were strippers even a thing back then? Mm, I'm sure there's something like them. I mean, they had burlesque dancers, no, right? No, what's Maybe an escort? Oh, an escort? Yeah. I feel like that's a better word for it back then. But even then, I'm sure they had to have on, like, a bunch of fucking, what are those things called? The petticoats or whatever? Pe- yeah, like, layered up with the... 
Yeah. That white, I don't know, white nighty looking thing. Yeah. You just wear underneath your dress because it's like an added layer of I don't know what. Yeah. Your corset's so tight you can't even breathe. You no, know, I don't know. I don't know. It's like a big Cinderella dress. Oof. Doesn't seem comfortable. I bet you those women had all of the cases of bacterial vaginosis. That's so not good for you. Uh. All those layers on your vagina. Mm. So May was over the moon and decided that performing would be her life. She wouldn't give her attention to anything else, including school. So May dropped out in the third grade. <laughs> her parents let her do that? Her parents didn't see a problem with it. They didn't see a problem with her kid dropping out in the third grade? Nope. Her mom and dad both didn't have a lot of education. So they were just like, eh, whatever, it's fine if you I don't want to go. I for the time frame, it, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Now your kid has to go to school or like truancy officers come and like arrest you or something. I didn't know about truancy officers until recently. Mm-hmm. Like legally, I'm pretty sure kids have to go to school. That's insane. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that it exists because of that. You have people dropping out in the third grade, but like, damn, bro. <laughs> uh, like, there's truancy officers? Holy shit. Oh, yes. There is an officer for everything, apparently. I guess so. So she dropped out in the third grade, so what happened? Well, both of her parents had very little education and didn't think she really needed it. And they didn't force her to do anything that she didn't want to do. But May wasn't dumb. She taught herself to read and write and -hmm. learned everything else through life experience. Less than a year after her performance at the amateur show, May joined a professional acting troupe at the age of eight. And for four years, she played every child role they had. So, I mean, she didn't go to school, but she was getting paid at eight years old. I mean, you know what? When you don't have school to take up your time, I guess that's easy. <laughs> I know, right? I guess you could pick up a little part-time job and just start racking up the quarters. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Telling you, if that's how you got to make ends meet, you will take that quarter to the forehead, guaranteed. <laughs> You'll take 20 quarters to the forehead. You'll leave there with with a lumpy head. I know, like, but back then... Today it, was a good day. Back then, though, their quarters were probably made out of, like, actual precious metals. You know? It wasn't just, like, a fucking... Whatever. That shit was probably hard. Dink! <laughs> One pound was actually one pound. <laughs> Probably. I mean, so what? Just making money. Cheat. <laughs> it's like walking around with a bag full of like Chuck E. Cheese coins or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Back Shaking in the day. Yeah. Which one am I going to go to next? <laughs> <laughs> so she was just as good or better than her adult counterparts and would usually end up stealing the, the spotlight from them whenever she performed. When she was 12, she was developing and looked too grown to play a kid. So for a few years, she was stuck kind of in the acting limbo of the world because she was too old to play a kid and too young to play a woman. Mm -hmm. But she didn't care too much because she filled her time with her newest interest. (laughs) Which is? Boys. Oh, whatever. So at 12 years old, she started going out and making friends with groups of boys. And then she would kiss them all. At what age? 12. At what age? 12. Mm-hmm. That's what happens when you drop out of school at third grade. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck, lady love? She's like my super teen mom or whatever the fuck. My, my super prepubescent mom. Making, making friends at 12. Going out, kissing And boys. kissing. All, All of, of the them? Boys. Yeah. All of them? All of them. How many friends does she have? Apparently a lot because May was very popular with the opposite sex. <laughs> 
keep going, keep going. I just wanted to know how old she was. Well, she kissed them all because <laughs> she wanted to figure out the kind of things that she liked and didn't like. Oh. Well, there was a little girl that was kind of jelly of all the attention that she was getting, so she snitched on her to her dad. <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah. Guess what she's doing? Well, her dad was fucking furious because he didn't want her getting a slutty reputation, yeah. especially back in those days. You know? Oh, yeah. You don't want to be known as a hussy. Exactly. Because he said it was going to ruin the chances of her getting married. True, true. But Tilly wasn't all that mad about it. Yeah. If anything, she was more mad that... If you got it, on it. Yeah. That's why they were soulmates lately, though, because that was whole plan. I know. Well, Tilly was more worried about her getting married too young and giving up on her dreams like she did. Because, mm-hmm. you know, she was a model. She could have... Mm. Yeah, yeah. So instead of telling May to just stop kissing other people, <laughs> Tilly would just point out something that was wrong with the boy. Mm. knowing how much of a perfectionist she was and how bougie she was. And once her mother pointed something out, May would not be able to, like, unsee the problem with this boy. Yeah. So then she would just end up stop liking him and go and find somebody else. It's awesome. Her mom played it right. Yeah. Well, her mom did that to everybody. So her she never really got attached to any boys because any boy that she would start to take a real liking to, her mom would be like, you really like John? His sideburns are a little low. Oh, so wait, May didn't have kids, did she? No. I see. (laughs) I figured that's where this was going. Yeah. Okay. So her mama was like, play the game, girl. Mm Mm-hmm. Fuck these hoes. But just don't, like, stay with them. Well, she didn't fuck anybody yet. She would just kiss them. You don't know that? No, no. I know that. (laughs) She she did not fuck them. She was was kissing at 12. Yeah. Being a little hussy. Being a little hussy. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, she wasn't giving up the cheeks. She was just giving up the lips. <laughs> that didn't sound any better. I know. <laughs> not the pussy lips. <laughs> okay. Just to be clear. What else was she doing? Little hussy. I know. <laughs> well, obviously, because of this issue, May mm-hmm. definitely never cared about any boy more than her career. Mm-hmm. And she decided that she shouldn't have to just settle for one guy when she mm-hmm. could just have whoever she wanted because she was a strong, independent woman. Mm-hmm. And she definitely didn't need a man to survive. Mm-hmm. So when she was 14 in 1907, she started working at the Hale Claire Don Stock Company, a pro vaudeville company. Mm. And she worked under the name Baby May. Mm. So vaudeville back then was basically just like, Sideshow kind of thing. Like it was like plays, yeah. but they were like short act plays and mm-hmm. comedy skits. And like a lot of it was um, kind of like what Rose from the Golden Girls used to do back in the day mm-hmm. before she was like on the Golden Girls. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. And she would try performing many different personas. And she even tried doing a male impersonation once. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So Vaudeville was super popular at this time. Mm-hmm. And it was made up of singing, dancing, and comedy skits. Mm. This company that she was um, with involved touring. So she spent the next few years living the dream and seeing a whole bunch of different places touring around. Okay. In 1909, at the age of 16, May came across 20-year-old Frank Wallace, who was a jazz dancer and performer that she'd met a couple years earlier. Mm -hmm. But Frank apparently grew up in the last two years since they met. Because May thought that he was so handsome now. Mm-hmm. And she wanted her a piece of that. Ooh, no she better don't. Mm. 
Especially because all of the other girls wanted him, too. They were, like, just falling at his feet. Oh, Frank. Oh, Frank was a hottie. I know. Okay. All right, Frank. When she said Frank, like, a jazz dancer and performer, I was picturing Frank, like, walking around with, like, a trumpet or something and, like, tap shoes. And every time he would, like, walk by, he'd be like, do-do-do. And then, like, all these stitches would just, like. Yeah, fall at his feet. Mm -hmm. A little tappy-tappy with the shoes. I see that. Oh, yeah. All right. You know. I can see it. They love. See these shoes? They make pussies wet. <laughs> and then he does a little dance for them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dripping. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can see it. Hey, I bet that was hot back in the day. I get it. I you mean, know? Frank was it. Well, May kind of played it right, though, and she didn't pay attention to him at all. Mm-hmm. She made him come to her, which hey, he did. Frank who? Mm-hmm. So she refused to pay him any attention mm-hmm. because everybody else wanted him. Mm-hmm. And... Frank thought that she was the best thing since sliced bread. So they both ended up becoming infatuated with each other. Mm-hmm. May was always a solo artist whenever she played in her vaudeville acts, which was very hard. Because mm-hmm. most people kind of play off each other. And her shows always played off of her sexuality. But she actually agreed to partner with Frank in a skit for one of the vaudeville shows. And the audiences really weren't that big of a fan of it. Really? But, yeah. But she didn't care because she's 17 and... This was the first and only time like she ever let herself become close to a man and let him come before her career. Because normally if someone was like, we should do this together. And she was like, no, bitch, I'm the star. <laughs> alone. I'll see you later. Bye. Yeah. So not too long after this, Frank proposed to me. Oh, oh. And she just wanted to finally get her some cheeks. You think that's why? Yeah, so surprisingly, she was very progressive, but she still thought that you had to be married before having sex. So, because she wanted the cheeks, she said yes. So, she hadn't gotten cheeks up until that time? Yep. She was 17 when she finally got some cheeks. Okay. Well, obviously, instead of listening to her mother's warning about getting married too young, she did it. And while they were touring in Wisconsin, May married Frank in April of 1911. Mm -hmm. He was 21 Mm -hmm. and she was 17, just old enough to get married without needing parental consent. Mm Mm-hmm. However, she only agreed to marry him as long as he promised to keep it a secret from everyone. Oh, shit. Yeah. (laughs) I'm cool with me and you being married, but... Can't tell nobody. Not a soul. No. Not that one. Not that one. Not that one. Keep it to yourself. (laughs) What kind of marriage is that? (laughs) You married to me? No, we're not married. (laughs) We are not married. (laughs) What word was that? Was that the M word? No. We're not married. No, that's not what happened. <laughs> but Frank said you guys were. But don't listen to Frank. He's crazy. Frank don't know what he's talking about. I'm you not gonna. To that? I mean, come on, they love people do it all the time. Like, especially for a woman, sometimes people be like, "Oh, he might say this." But like, I'll be like, "I ain't never fucked him." Who they gonna believe? Uh-huh. You know what I mean? <laughs> I said he had a little dick. Who they gonna believe? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Lady Love. Disrespect the big dick energy mm-hmm. and everybody's feelings are hurt. Oh, yeah. Or the no working dick energy. Oh, God, I hope it falls off. <laughs> and even with the little blue pill, I hope it's just... Wow. Um, oh, I think we're getting somewhere. I think we're getting somewhere. Oh, oh no. no. It's like that episode when Rose was, like, dating that impotent guy. Oh, he couldn't get it up to save his life. I mean, he eventually did. And they left dinner to go do it, I know. but... Rose, it's time! <laughs> Check, please! 
<laughs> like, oh, that is some excitement for some dick. I would be so mad. Like, they should have just done it right there on the table. For real. What's the 80s, though? I know. A little less acceptable. You do that now on TV? I know. Now it doesn't matter. They're like, oh, gravy's flying everywhere. You see fucking ass cheek, maybe some titty meat. Mm-hmm. She, you just don't see the dong and the puss. Well, that just depends on what you're watching. Oh, that's true. We get into HBO. I yeah, told you, you about that, that dick. Primetime TV? Mm-hmm. Dick swinging. Dick swinging. <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> they do not care. You get what you pay for with primetime television. They'll show you the peen. They'll, They'll show, show you, you the, the teen. Pussy. They'll show you all of it. What do you want? For $14.99 a month. <laughs> I know. Girls gone wild. <laughs> Oh God! I can't. Remember. I can't believe that was a thing. I know. The one episode I was trying to make our description kind of like a Girls Gone Wild commercial. So I had like, <laughs> Devin, do that. It was the um, our klepto cons gone wild episode. So I made the like description sound like a Girls Gone Wild. Video. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, because I thought it was funny, but. I was, like, looking up Girls Gone Wild commercials to kind of, like, see how the layout of the commercial was. Mm-hmm. And Dev's just sitting there, and he's like, what the fuck are you watching? And it's like, sexy college girls, show it all. And then they, like, lift up their fake titties, and then they see, like, censored the black bar across the tit. I remember seeing those infomercials. <laughs> Have you ever wondered what it's like when people go on spring break? <laughs> sudden demon lady love you have a demon don't say that lady love we already saved the apartment <laughs> maybe we should that's do why that. i asked you if that noise was you earlier it was a little think and i was like i told you while i was recording i still heard like this one random time it's usually around like the 45 minute mark in our recording which ah, we're at 43 minutes <gasps> lady love <laughs> oh no yeah I swear, they love. If I'm recording and I'm 45 minutes, I hear like a. Uh, <laughs> I know it's a demon. It, you know what? It'll be your fault though. <laughs> <laughs> you can't fuck it with this dude. It's your fault. <laughs> Let it be. Okay, back to me. Okay, so she told Frank he couldn't tell nobody they was married, no, which is hilarious. Well, if her parents found out, they would have been devastated. Oh yeah, yeah. So this marriage was secret. And is pretty much the only thing she actually felt ashamed of in her life. Because it was the first time she had ever lied to her parents. Like, she never lies. So once May and Frank finally finished their tour and got back to Brooklyn, she was completely regretting getting married. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Damn. I wish I would have never married Frank. Yeah, well, now that she got the cheeks, all of their sexual tension was gone. And she was just over being near Frank. She's like, okay, Frank. Mm-hmm. Okay, Frank. Fuck off, Frank! <laughs> And Frank was out here making plans to move them out of the city and into the burbs. And May was not about that life. She was a city girl. That's right. That's like Devin trying to move me in. I want to live in the country. You know, that's how people get murdered, right? Listen, 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 lady love. I don't even want to hear that shit. (laughs) I feel no pity for you. Where Devin is trying to take you, there are hills. Have you ever heard of the hills have eyes, lady love? Have you ever heard of Oklahoma? I told you not to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I know, but still, I feel less bad for you. Well, Oklahoma is just flat. You got like exactly. It's like the buildings are old. 
people are old. <laughs> I, I don't know. No, I'm trying to give it a chance. I'm trying to give it a chance. But Lady still, love, literally, I don't feel bad for you. Don't even give me that shit. I don't feel bad. I'm just going to say that literally every You're going to have fucking goats and chickens and horses, maybe some cows. <laughs> I don't fucking know. I mean, I would maybe be fine with the cows because I think you can grow shrooms off cow shit. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. I said, I think but you know what? I still don't. I still don't feel bad for you. You're growing fucking shrooms out of cow shit. <laughs> you know what I'm doing? I mean, you could always just be like, "Come to New York, the city that never sleeps." He's no, not doing that. God. <laughs> oh my god. It's gonna be okay. I don't even know how. Walks okay. around there. I feel like all of Oklahoma is like the same color, and it's basically skin tone. Like it's it's very brown. I already said before. I'm not even gonna talk. <laughs> He's gonna listen and be like, "You complaining again?" <laughs> yes. I'm gonna put it like every relative that I ever go and meet in Oklahoma says, "Oklahoma boring." <laughs> His mom's a she told me I wouldn't like Oklahoma. She's like, oh, you're from Buffalo? Oklahoma's boring. Mm-hmm. Buffalo's boring. I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. God, oh. My aunt that did my hair, we're sitting in the chair, and I'm like, so where are you from originally? And she's like, oh, I'm from Boston. Really? I love Boston. Yeah. Well, she was from, you know, Laos or whatever, but mm-hmm. she lived in Boston. And she said, yeah. I moved to Oklahoma. It's so boring. I hate it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. She's like, now I'm whatever. But it's boring. <laughs> like, cost of living is so cheap. I mean, I guess it's a nice area to raise kids, you know. We'll cry, Mary. It's a nice we'll area to raise, raise courage, the cowardly dog. No. <laughs> I think it'll be. It'll be nice. I mean. I mean, Layla. It, it oh. will be nice. Don't worry. I feel like there's going to be, like, a whole month where, like, every episode I do is, like, crimes based in Oklahoma just so you can see how not nice it is. Because it's not. <laughs> it seems like a generally okay place. Oh, wait till you find out about the Girl Scouts. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, yeah, Lila. But I digress. Don't worry. I won't bust it open yet. Oh, God. <laughs> so. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> so frank was making plans for them to move to the burbs and everything Mm -hmm. and she realized now that her mom was right and marriage would come between her and her career Mm -hmm. so she immediately was trying to figure out a way of getting rid of frank Mm -hmm. because she was bored and uninterested in settling with just one person bye frank yeah bye felicia so she couldn't get a divorce either because that would be acknowledging the fact that they even got married in the first place. <gasps> wow. She was like way lowballing. Well, yeah. Like she was not about it. Yeah. So instead she convinced Frank to take a part in another vaudeville act that was going on tour for a year. And she had actually used like her pull in the company to get him the job offer. So then when he got the offer, she convinced him to go. Damn. Yeah. So she was like working she the fucking. I was gonna say she's puppet master in this oh, motherfucker. Yeah. Okay, May. Okay. So Frank left, and a few months into it, May told him that she didn't want to be with him anymore. Yo, <laughs> so he wasn't even Frank, with her. We done, son. And you, May. We're done. <laughs> then I love. No, uh, uh, uh. We're done. 
Do you, do you think they had phones back then, Lila? I'm sure she had to write his ass a letter. You think so? She probably wrote his ass a dear oh, job letter. Oh, fucking telegraph. Yes. Oh, no. She sent Could a homing pigeon. Oh, he's too mad to that piece of paper. And he's, like, miles away in another state. She's just like, sorry, Frank, I'm kind of over this by. No, man. <laughs> he, like, drops on the floor. Yeah, drops, he's no. like, dropping Frank. Drops down to his knees. It's so sad. Oh. And then the camera, like, pans out at him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how I picture poor Frank. So, I mean, that's that for her. They ate a bitch. Yeah, so Frank didn't fight her about it. He knew he wasn't going to win. Yeah, no, he definitely knew. Frank was like, all right. Yeah. He was just like, well, whatever. Can't do for long enough. Mm-hmm. So by the end of 1911, May and Frank separated, but they stayed legally married. For the rest of her life? No, they stayed legally married until 1942. Not bad. I'm, they got married in 19... Oh, what? 1911. 11. Yeah. Yeah. 42. That's a long wow. time. Well, whatever. She wasn't fucking trying to... She wasn't trolling for some other dick to marry, though. No, definitely So it not. makes no difference. That's pretty much what she said. So May made Frank promise not to tell anyone that they were ever hitched, and he agreed begrudgingly. <laughs> But May was never worried about staying married to Frank legally because she swore that she would never get married again. She'd love him and leave him. No strings. There you go. That's the way to do it. So no matter how she felt about another man in any moment, herself and her career would always be the most important thing. Damn. Mm-hmm. Good for her. I mean, she's not wrong. She's not. So the same year that she told Frank to kick rocks, she starred in her first Broadway play. Hey. It was called... A la Broadway and Hello Paris. <laughs> a la Broadway and Hello Paris. That's cute. It was put on by her former dance teacher, mm-hmm. Ned Wayburn. The show ended after eight performances. Mm-hmm. And even though she only played a supporting role in it, she still ended up stealing the crowd's attention. Of course she did. Because she has a natural talent, I guess. She was definitely. She sounds like. Yeah, she was a classy bitch. Quite the looker. Mm-hmm. So at this point, she went by the alias Jean Mast and was known for her signature style and sultry walk, which was actually inspired by two men, Bert Savoy and Julian Eltinge. Her walk was inspired by two men? Yeah. They were um, drag queens. Oh. They were called female impersonators at that time, but they were famous during the times of the pansy craze. The pansy craze? Yeah, I had looked it up. And it's, like, a period of time where, like, pretty much drag shows were, like, super popular and everybody loved them. Mm-hmm. Which is basically the same now. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Very true. And Bert Savoy is actually the person who created the phrase, you slay me. No shit. Yeah. And he also came up with the phrase, you don't know the half of it. <laughs> and I use that phrase all the time. I had no idea. <laughs> that's interesting. Wow. That's cool. Mm-hmm. But... May was mostly known, however, for her deep, sexy voice. Oh, that's right. She had a deep, sultry, raspy voice. Yeah, she had that, like, Skittles taste the rainbow voice, you know? Yeah. That, like, I dang it, I dang it. make okay, them jism right. right when they hear it kind of thing. Uh-huh. Make them jism. <laughs> um, but she was known for her deep, sexy voice and her talent for making everything she said sound like a sexual innuendo. Hey. <laughs> okay, May. She'd also developed a persona on and off the stage as a confident, sultry woman mm-hmm. with swagger and an unabashed sexuality. Mm-hmm. 
Little did everyone know, though, that was just who she actually was as a person. And the audiences just loved her. Just very sensual and sexual. Mm-hmm. After one of her performances in 1911, two well-known producers followed her backstage to offer her roles. She asked them what theater she would be playing in. Mm-hmm. And when they told her, she picked the one with the more um, intimate small setting so that she could interact with the audience. And she accepted the role without even knowing what part she'd be playing. Cool. So her role for this show was an Irish maid. And May was supposed to play her character as written, mm-hmm. but she thought it was boring. So she asked the producer if she could make changes to her character and her lines. Mm-hmm. The producer told her to chill with all that. Mm-hmm. And May shut up, but on opening night, she changed up her character and she changed all of her lines to sound sexual. Mm-hmm. And when she couldn't make the lines that were written for her sound sexy, she would just improvise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she changed literally her entire character without his permission. There you go. The audience loved it, though. And the play got such rave reviews that the producer took all the credit for May's imagination. Oh. Yeah. But she didn't care because she was just happy to be on stage. Mm-hmm. And at 18, May was singled out by the New York Times in a review. The reviewer wrote, quote, A girl named May West, hitherto unknown, pleased by her grotesquier and sappy way of singing and dancing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And on November 20th, 1911, May led the chorus in a show called Vera Violetta at the Winter Garden Theater. Mm-hmm. And it played until February 24th, 1912. Cool. And over the next few years, she was incredibly dedicated to her career and didn't let anything distract her until 1916 at 23, when she had met a performer by the name of Dee. Mm-hmm. But before she met Dee in April 1912... Until September 1912, mm-hmm. May appeared in the opening act of A Winsome Widow as a baby vampire <laughs> named La Petite Daffy. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> La Petite Daffy. So, May and Dee had an incredibly passionate affair, mm-hmm. and their sex was apparently so mind-blowing that she thought about him constantly. Oh, shit. He distracted her so much, it was causing her to focus on him more than her work. And he was super crazy about her. Uh-huh. He was a big jelly belly. Jelly belly. And he threatened any man who looked at her for too long. Damn. He even punched some guy to defend her honor for, like, saying something about her. hmm But Dee acting so possessive was fucking up the persona that she had spent years creating as mm-hmm. a strong, independent woman. Yeah. And Dee didn't get it. He wanted her to be all his, mm-hmm. so he proposed, but she said no. Well, also. She's already married. Right. But no one knows that. Hush, hush, Frank. <laughs> you better. <laughs> but not say anything. Or else I will end you. <laughs> Who's Frank? Never met him. Poor, poor guy. I know. Poor buddy. <laughs> so Dee thought that she was just playing hard to get and even tried to get her parents to help him convince her. Mm-hmm. But they said, sorry, bud. She doesn't do anything unless she wants to. <laughs> Too bad. So sad. Yeah. They were like, we can't help you. Sorry. So eventually May realized that he'd never stop asking her to marry him, so she broke off the relationship. Oh. Yeah. And the way she broke it off was she one day she just, like, up and left on a tour and never told him. Oh, damn. Yeah. She didn't tell him where she was going or anything. And she kind of felt bad for ghosting him. Kind (laughs) of? I mean, she felt a little bad for ghosting him. I guess. Okay. Yeah. 
But her reasoning was that she couldn't risk him trying to, like, convince her to stay. Mm-hmm. So she was just like, I'm just going to leave. Yeah. He'll be fine. Before this becomes an issue, I'm just going to go. Yeah. So for the next two years, all she did was work. Mm-hmm. At age 25 in 1918, mm-hmm. she finally got her first leading role in a high-profile play called Sometime, mm-hmm. which was a Schubert Brothers production. Okay. And Schubert Brothers is responsible for establishing the Broadway district in New York City. That's cool. Yeah, so, like, literally in New York City, how they have, like, Broadway the street, they helped create that, the theater district. That's awesome. During this time, they discovered a dance called, I've seen it called two different things. One was the Shining Shaw Wobble. Mm-hmm. Shining Shaw Wobble, whatever. But it's the shimmy. Mm-hmm. You know, the shimmy. Yeah, yeah. This dance was well known in the black community, but no white people had ever seen it. Mm-hmm. And she loved it because it was sexy and fun all at the same time. So one night she was out uh, eating at a cafe with her co-workers mm-hmm. after a show and she seen a black couple doing the dance. So she decided to incorporate it into her role as Mamie in some time. Mm-hmm. The audience went crazy for it. And they thought it was something new because they'd never seen it before. Mm-hmm. May became a hit on the New York vaudeville stage, mm-hmm. known for her flashy tight clothing, as well as her provocative comments, said in a deep throaty voice. Mm-hmm. Her costume was usually leopard skins, rhinestones, huge plumed hats, and she was all of five feet tall with a huge rack and an hourglass figure. Uh, she was one of the few women who performed solo at this young age. Mm-hmm. And she commanded a salary of several hundred dollars a week. Damn. Now, back in the 20s, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. We'll see, I'm, I feel like I don't even make several hundred dollars a week now sometimes. <laughs> Slave more. I didn't say it. <laughs> Doesn't count if I don't say it. Exactly. It was me. It was me. <laughs> Losers. So critics bashed her for it because they thought that it was inappropriate and overly sexual. Mm-hmm. But all that did was make the play even more popular. Mm-hmm. And everyone wanted to see this new dance. And then other white people started incorporating it into their performances, too. But not everybody could dance like May could. They got the titties for it. No, sure. they definitely don't. Can you imagine that? Her fucking... It'd be like a Jessica Rabbit. Titters. I told you. She got some titties. <laughs> Some big titties. I bet you Jessica Rabbit was probably based off of her. Think so? I yeah. mean, I wouldn't doubt it. That's the say, because at first I used to think it was Marilyn, but Marilyn didn't have that big of a rack. And you remember Jessica Rabbit was all titties. <laughs> yeah, she was all titties. Mm-hmm. So the show sometime ran for 283 shows. It was so popular, the show decided to tour and wanted May to come with them, but she said no. She wanted to leave while it was still on top, and she thought she'd have people throwing job offers at her. Well, that didn't happen. <laughs> a qua qua qua. I know. No, you guys can just go. I'm sure I'll find a job. <laughs> no jobs? <laughs> you mean none? None at all. What? Damn, ha- that sucks, though. I know. So she wasn't finding any work, and she wanted to star in something about sex, but there were no plays about it. It was very taboo to talk about. Mm-hmm. So, May decided to just write her own thing, Mm -hmm. and she wrote a one-act vaudeville play to star in called The Ruby Ring. It was about female sex and power, but she made it fun and entertaining with songs, jokes, and amazing costumes. It premiered in 1921, and everyone loved it because it was unique. Mm -hmm. It started a whole new chapter in her life, 
and set her apart from everybody else as an actress in the scene because now she's also a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and during her free time when she wasn't working, she loved to read. And she was very into philosophers like Freud and Carl Jung. Mm -hmm. And she was especially interested in their ideas about the importance of sex on the conscious and the unconscious mind. Mm -hmm. They loved it especially because of how important sex was for her in her life. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where she got the inspiration to write the play about sex. Okay. Um, In 1924, successful producers and theater owners Lee and J.J. Schubert decided they wanted to put a play with Mayon as a star. She was 31 at this time and jumped on this one-in-a-lifetime opportunity and came home from touring the vaudeville circuit to scour every unproduced play that she could find. But her and the Schuberts couldn't find anything that fit her personality, so her mother convinced her that she should just write her own play to star in. May thought that this was a great idea, but couldn't figure out what to write the play about, and she was trying to find her muse. So... One day, May was driving, or, well, she wasn't driving. Mm-hmm. May had a driver. So one day, May's driver was taking her past the New York waterfront, mm-hmm. and she saw a group of sailors surrounding a woman that was, this is her exact words, the sailors were surrounding a woman that was, quote, crumpled-looking, wilted like old salad. Damn. Damn! Okay, man. I'd be really tight if someone, like, compared me. Called you wilted salad? Yeah, like, damn, dog, you look like some old lettuce. Like, that's just rude. Old lettuce is so unappealing. (laughs) Like, that's how you feel about me? Damn, you call me wilted lettuce? I don't know. You think I'm getting, like, fucking red lines and (laughs) getting all dry and crispy? Well, sad looking. Mm -hmm. Well, the woman, the salad woman... (laughs) (laughs) The wilted woman. (laughs) Yeah, the wilted salad woman with no dressing... She was wearing a magnificent turban around her head with bird of paradise flowers tucked in it and May realized that she was a prostitute. Oh. So she couldn't stop thinking about the woman and realized that she finally found her inspiration. So when she got home, she started writing down ideas and couldn't seem to stop. Soon, she had a rough play written and her lawyer and bone buddy at the time, mm-hmm. Jim Timoney. <laughs> That's what he was. Um... He hired a professional writer to edit the play and, like, smooth out all the edges Mm -hmm. in the story. And once it was finished, she had wanted to name the play The Albatross. Mm -hmm. But no one really got the joke there, which when I was listening to it, I was like, the fucking albatross. Mm -hmm. So I Googled it, and an albatross is a metaphor to mean a psychological burden that feels like a curse. Oh. So that was more in reference to sex. Mm. But no one getting the meaning, she decided to change the title of the play to just Sex. Oh, no, she didn't. (laughs) Oh, oh, no, this heifer didn't. Okay, straight to the point. Here we go. Yep. Boom. Cheeks. (laughs) How do you feel about it, people? Well, people loved it. So the play was about a sex worker stuck between two men in two different life paths. It presented the question of her being able to escape the life of a prostitute, or did she even want to? The play first ran in New London, Connecticut, Mm off-Broadway, 
The premiere had a very small audience, and everyone who bought tickets sat in the nosebleeds of the balcony. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the cheaper tickets. Mm-hmm. So when May came out and she saw this, she told everyone that was up there to come down into the good seats in the front. Since, I mean, it didn't matter. Tilly and Jim Timoney had produced the play, and due to the small audience on opening night, May considered shutting down the show that day. Because wow. she didn't want to lose anybody's money. Well, luckily, Tilly, her mother, convinced her to give it some time and not just throw in the towel so soon. Because literally the next night, word had spread about this risque performance that featured, quote, prostitutes caught in arousing embraces, guns, knockout drinks, a jewel heist, a jewel heist, cops, (laughs) cops, an offstage suicide, bribery, and the threat of a shootout. Jesus. There was a line out the door of sailors who wanted tickets to see it. And there were so many people trying to get in that they had to sell some standing room only tickets in order to accommodate everyone. Wow. Yeah. And obviously May played the prostitute, so she made it all. Mm-hmm. Fast. Well, sex got so popular that on April 26, 1926, the play made it to Broadway for a debut. Mm-hmm. And this play ends up getting roasted by critics. But at first, they refused to even write about it because they felt that it was beneath them. Damn, son. Mm-hmm. And they thought that ignoring the play would just make it go away. Mm-hmm. But the audience thought that the play was just the tits. <laughs> so after a while, it got so popular, critics had no choice but to acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. So they shit on the play and said that they hated May's role of a, quote, lustful sexual woman who got pleasure out of her sex work. They also said she was, quote, corrupting the citizens of New York in encouraging indecency and immorality. The New York Times, or, well, it said the the Times, so I'm going to guess that it was the New York Times. Mm -hmm. They called it a, quote, crude, inept play that was cheaply produced and poorly acted. And the New Yorker said May was, quote, capitalizing on street sweepings. And some company called The Variety called May's character the, quote, Babe Ruth of stage prosties. Damn. <laughs> like, that's stage fucked up. <laughs> Babe Ruth was not attractive. <laughs> stage prosties? Yeah, no. <laughs> but giving the play shitty reviews only made people want to go see it even more. Because mm-hmm. everyone was curious about what was so raunchy about it. Exactly. So it was a hit, and May sold out almost every single show for a year. Wow. Mm-hmm. However, this play came out during the Prohibition, Mm -hmm. so religious organizations and lawmakers of this time also hated the play. Haters. Mm Mm-hmm. Lame as fuck. That's sad. See, I don't know why they let religious organizations rule anything. Do they not realize that every cult is a religious organization? Like that wild, wild country. Mm Mm-hmm. Wild, wild country. Fucking... What was it? Um, Which one? Jim Jones and and... No, not Jim Jones. That's another one. It was the one... Fuck, I was literally just talking about this cult. I watched the, the movie. The Manson Family? No, the Manson Family is another terrible one. It was the one where they, like, were all in a shootout with the cops, and then they were locked inside of a building for, like, 21 days, and then they all end up killing themselves. The fuck? Yeah, I can't remember. Oh, Waco? Yeah, that one. Oh, the Waco one. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. David whatever his yeah, name is. David Koresh. Koresh. There we go. David Koresh. Koresh? Koresh. 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 Whatever, he's a douche. 
Yeah, he started that as a cult. He started mm-hmm. as a religion. Yep. But he was Jesus or whatever. God damn, lady love. That one was me. That was me. I stretched my arm out, but it like didn't work. I'm trying to get comfortable. I'm getting old, lady love. I'm like, sun's going down. My body's like, man. I know. I hate this. This fucking seasonal depression bullshit. No, for real. I'm like all tired, aggravated. Right. Like, I'm on my period. My life's in shambles. <laughs> I just want ice cream. <laughs> I don't know what to do. It's I know. Nice. Well, it's okay, we love. After we finish this whatever wine, I don't even want to call it terrible because it's not awful, but it's not great. I'm, I'm I, never, with it. I was going to say, after we finish this whatever, I got those Trulies in the car, the lemonade ones. Mm. I'll definitely throw down one of those before I finish this research. (laughs) There you go. So religious organizations and lawmakers of this time also hated the play Mm -hmm. and were set on eliminating anything that they deemed immoral and obscene. And a lot of... mm -hmm. And a lot of people with sticks up their asses thought that this show was just an abomination. (laughs) But... The mayor of New York at the time, Jimmy Walker, had no plans to squelch anyone's artistic expression in the theater Mm -hmm. and was completely against the prohibition's crazy control tactics. So as long as he was in charge, make keep doing whatever the fuck she wanted, no matter who didn't like it. While this just made everyone who hated it more mad. Damn. Including Mayor Jimmy's deputy, Joseph McKee. Oh. So on February 9th, 1927, during Mayor Jimmy Walker's vacation, Joseph McKee... They got, got her ass. Well, he got to take temporary control of the city while the mayor was actually on vacation. Mm. So he ordered a raid on all plays that he deemed immoral and obscene. And of course, sex was at the top of the list. So... February 21st, 1927, on the 41st week of its run, May got to the Daly's 63rd Street Theater to prepare for that night's performance. Mm-hmm. And municipal vice officers or whatever mm-hmm. stormed in, surrounding her and the rest of the cast, and arrested May for obscenity charges. They handcuffed her in front of the entire troop mm-hmm. and forced her and the rest of the cast members into a black paddy wagon that was waiting outside. Jeez. So they put on a huge performance themselves doing this in front of all the press and the theater goers that were there mm-hmm. because there were a ton of people outside waiting to see the show. Mm-hmm. But May smiled because she thought that any publicity was good publicity. Which is true. And this was pretty much better than any publicity she could ask for. Mm. And yeah, that's where we're going to stop. Okay. (laughs) Next week, I will tell you what exactly happened after she got arrested. The second half is so fucking funny. (laughs) All right, May. May didn't give a fuck about anything. Oh, very clearly. She got married and the other dude couldn't even talk about it. Oh, no. Eh, 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 Frank. Dip it. (laughs) But may I love it? Don't you say it. You don't. Yeah. <laughs> but I... No, you don't. Exactly. <laughs> Be quiet, Frank. <laughs> Poor Frank. Stop talking, Frank. <laughs> Go play your trumpet or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's right. He was a jazz musician, whatever the fuck. A jazz performer. I'm sure he didn't play trumpet. I just, <laughs> I'm just talking shit. <laughs> All right. Sweet. Well, what do you think so far? She kind of pushed the envelope. I like it. I like it. And if you like us, like us at our Facebook group at Wine Wicked Crimes and Cat Moms Oh My. You can like us on our Instagram at Cat Moms Oh My Podcast. 
Or you can follow us on Twitter at CatMomsOhMyPod. Or you can join us on our Patreon <laughs> for early access to our episodes. And most likely by the time this episode comes out, I'll already have the second episode out on the Patreon. So you'll be able to hear what actually happens next. Yeah. And it's only $5. Yeah. You can join us at patreon.com forward slash catmomsohmy. Or you can email us at catmoms2 at yeah. <laughs> I guess that's it for this episode, guys. I hope you like it. Good night. Bye, Cross. Good night. <laughs>